Wednesday, July 6th, we are back from a long weekend. You have the color to show it, Peter. And uh, I'm jealous because I did not get nearly as much sun. You look great. You look vibrant. How was your Memorial or Memorial Day, July 4th weekend? <laughs> July 4th was great in San Diego. And, and something I just want to address quickly first, because yes, my face is red, but my feet are even redder. I'm in pain. My voice is a little bit gone, so I may look good, but I don't feel good mentally especially because i just had the worst day of betting in my entire in the entire season so far and i want to address it too because it was the first day of the season where i was traveling back from san diego so i was unable to do a write-up i haven't missed a write-up the entire year didn't miss a write-up last year either and just overextended myself went with some picks that i liked and it just bit me in the ass so you know i was on this incredible heater we won seven bets in a row and that's just gambling at the end of the day, like it's not gambling advice, but I know a lot of people tail these picks. Of course, a lot of people do. And this season is going to have some crazy terrains where we go on crazy hot streaks and then it all comes crashing down. That's why we, you know, we don't parlay and we keep a level head and we just try and make it. But honestly, I got cocky. I just got cocky and it bit me in the ass. And for anyone that lost on the picks, and I understand it's not gambling advice, but we all know, we all know what that means. I, I apologize. It was a heat it was just, check. It was, it was a, a heat, heat check, check and it was a it bad was a day and I'm going to be better. That's all I have to say. A very serious start to what is going to be a, a yeah, fun, which is going to be a really fun episode, <laughs> <laughs> a really fun episode. But no, I mean, it was a heat check. Uh, we all take the heat check sometimes. And then it reminds you, like you get away from what works for you. Then mm-hmm. you think you could still do it. And you got to You got to stick with the, uh, with the routine. Yeah. And there's a reason. Uh, and Sandy Alcantara, I got to talk about that guy's been sticking to his routine and he has kept this Marlon season afloat. No mailbag question on Sandy. Uh, but I wanted to just open with that. Cause I just watched that game real quick. And before we get to these questions, dude, I mean, I, I just can't, tell you how much it really means to be able to see this guy pitch because I you know what Jose Fernandez's death did to like the Marlins families to baseball as a whole but like you were never going to replace Jose and I don't want Sandy to be like even in that kind of idea of a conversation here it's not for that point but just for the Marlins as a franchise for Marlins fans to get that guy that they look forward to every fifth day because now it's the first time I'm really seeing that buzz again more fans in the ballpark People like it's Sandy day. I haven't seen that since Jose Fernandez and it's been pretty damn cool. So uh, what he's doing, Peter is pretty insane. And from a guy that's, you know, not watching the Marlins with as much intent as I am, which is everybody else on planet earth, because no one really cares about the Marlins. Like it seems like Sandy's almost transcending the fish a little bit. And that's what Jose Fernandez did. Are, are you seeing that as a, as a guy and like a, you know, a fan of a big base, a team that gets plenty of coverage? What are your thoughts on just what you're seeing from Sandy and the coverage he's starting to get right now? For, well, 
the coverage and what he's doing is two different things because I still don't think he's getting enough coverage. I mean, it has to like, imagine if Sandy Alcantara was in New York right now or in (laughs) Boston or in LA, he would be one of the biggest stars in America. If we're talking about, we're just talking about sports right now. Like he's also handsome player and he's very handsome and he's very tall and he's built like a brick shit house. He's a horse of all horses in baseball. And I was listening to the podcast actually on my ride home from San Diego, you and Jack were talking about Shane McClanahan versus Sandy Alcantara. Like who's the better pitcher? Who would you rather have? And I'm sitting there in the car saying, guys, it's Sandy. I mean, of course it's Sandy because, and, but you guys made some really good points because you said Shane, I mean, there's, if you need six innings, the electric type stuff, that's what you're going to get from Shane. But think about it. You need to win one game. And we talked about, you know, you guys talked about the bullpens and how it's important too because the Rays have this great bullpen, so they don't need to extend Shane that much. But at the end of the day, Sandy, it doesn't matter what kind of bullpen you have. It doesn't matter if you have Josh Hader, Devin Williams, and Brad Boxberger. Sandy's going nine regardless because right now you need one game to win. It's Sandy. It's Sandy. It's Sandy. I agree because – and the way I, that's the point that I love is, is no matter how good a reliever is, the more pitchers that you put in a game, the better chance there is that one of those guys is going to be off that day. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, that's why I always thought the splits and, and all of that, when you're going to a bunch of different relievers is risky because the more players that you put into a game, the more relievers you put into a game, there's a higher chance that one of those guys doesn't have it. And I, if you can limit that, if you can go starter to closer or just starter all the way, you're in business, and that's what Sandy's doing for a Marlins team that has a shaky back end of the bullpen, though Tanner Scott seemed to have kind of taken over the role as a closer. It's just been really cool to see, and, and I wonder now, we're going to talk about deadline moves and things like that. There are some teams that are kind of teetering there, and over the next three weeks, we're going to see some teams start to either put themselves in that conversation of buyers or realize that they're sellers, and the Mariners are heating up. That was a team that we got a question about, which we'll get to. Marlins are heating up. It's going to be interesting to see if they're buyers. Uh, but on the other side of it, the Red Sox just called up Brian Bayo. And that's a guy I've been talking about a lot, a prospect I really like. And this question at first, I was like, no way could the Red Sox be one of the best three, three teams in the AL right now. But when I really looked at it, it seems like it's the Yankees, the Astros, and everybody else. So I'll read the question, and then I want your thoughts on this, Peter. The Yankees and the Astros have clearly been the first and second best teams in the AL, respectively. Who's third? Red Sox, Twins, Blue Jays, Rays, Guardians, et cetera. That comes from I'm not suspended on Twitter. So I guess they're not suspended. <laughs> not suspended. I, it is actually crazy. I would say that it's, it's the Yankees and Astros. You got a gap, but there has to be a third team. And right now, I, I would say it's the, it's the Red Sox. Can I be honest with you again? Again, yes. I was hearing you guys on the podcast. The Astros might be better than the Yankees. I so you, you're and you're agreeing with, with the stuff I was saying. Yes, because you're listen. on my wavelength. Because I was I said Sandy and I said I said Astros. That's what I'm saying. Listen to this for a second. When we're going through the starting rotation, the Astros have a better starting rotation than the Yankees do. The Yankees might have been, you know, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me of like who is the starter ERA leaders right now. And it yeah, could yeah, still yeah. be the Yankees, but at the end of the day, because what Christian Javier has been able to do, and you know, I was talking about how I was terrible at betting today. That's maybe my worst take of the year is not (laughs) thinking highly enough of Christian Javier. What I saw was a swingman type with two pitches. The slider never had a problem with it. Always excellent. But the fastball was 93. 
I didn't know how it would play up when he has to go six, seven innings, but now he throws 96 and it's high spin and it's electric and he has great command. And you just go down the list. There is no off day in this rotation. If we're talking about bullpens, Astros might have a better bullpen. They really might. Really, you you would take the Astros bullpen. It's, it's it's amazing how much quicker the Astros bullpen has gotten good because it was a problem for them you know, know. even in the early points of last year. But with Clay Holmes, with with what you're getting from Michael King, with what you're getting from some of your guys, you still you still lean Astros bullpen wise. I, I mean, if we're talking about like bullpen ERA, I mean the Astros are right there. Maybe okay, let's say that's a push because both are elite. Uh-huh. We go offensively. The Yankees have more swing and miss in their game. But what? You go one through nine down the Astros lineup. You lose Carlos Correa. Jeremy Pena has been phenomenal. Even Martin Maldonado is a guy who never has hit, but has been able to command that rotation so effectively. So they have to put him out there. But now I was looking at the differences in hard hit rates from last year. Martin Maldonado was number two in increase in hard hit rate from last year. Gleyber Torres was actually number one, but Martin Maldonado was number two. So if you're going down one to nine, there's no breaks with this team either. And if we're looking about how they played each other lately the Astros came into New York dominated and even some of the Yankees wins they were comeback wins you know it was it was great for the Yankees but the Astros were winning more innings than they even had wins if that makes sense like they were winning awesome series that's gonna be I hope we get phenomenal I hope that's ALCS we get seven games of that and I, I think what it really boils down to I agree with with a lot of what you're saying is really the rotation, right? What do the Astros get from Lance McCullers? Does Nestor Cortez maintain what he's doing? This, or does he, you know, kind of get back to what he was doing earlier in the year? Does Jamison Tyone kind of keep doing what Just he's got been blown doing? up? Yeah. So that's the big question. Can Justin Verlander at 39, 40 years old sustain what he's doing? There's a lot of questions back and forth. It's a long season. And I think it's going to be those two teams teetering between number one. Who's your number two? Because I look across. We look at the Red Sox, we look at the Twins. I think they're similar. The Blue Jays are a team I wanted to. I really wanted yeah. to, but I look at the pitching situation and, and I'm like, dude, I don't know if I can legitimately sit here and say, yeah. you know, I feel better about the Blue Jays and the Red Sox because I, I think the Red Sox offense keeps right up there with the Jays and they find a way to just piece together the pitching. I, I really, you talk about bad takes. I doubt, the, I doubt the Red Sox every chance I can get. I don't understand how they really find ways to put together good outings. They stretch guys out that you wouldn't think would be able to be stretched out. They get quality starts from guys you wouldn't think would give you quality starts. And they, similar to the Astros, they've got their guy waiting in the wings. Chris Sale can come back soon. He looked good in his rehab start. He was throwing hard. If they get Chris Sale even back to 75% of who he is, they go out and make a move or two. It, I think the, that the Red Sox have got to be number three right now in the AL. Is, is that where you're at? I think you said that perfectly. I think it's exactly right. And I think it's a lot to do with Alex Cora, the manager of the Red Sox. I agree. I think what he's done now, it's clear that he is the best manager in baseball. He understands his team more than I think any other manager does. And when we talk about guys who we don't think that can be extended, you know, in outings or relievers, but he just pieces together. He always knows the right puzzle pieces. He's a chess master. He's really phenomenal. And he just understands how to put his team together and give them a chance to win every single day. We talk about the bullpen. 
bullpen's been great. Talk about the starting rotation, been great. And we know that they're going to hit. And even improvements on defense, right? Yeah. Even improvements on defense. We talk, we joke around about Jackie Bradley Jr., but he's a great defender. Jaron Duran comes up. Even Devers, Devers. is looking better at third Devers. base. Just around the diamond, they're much better than even I thought they would be. Because I have been pro-Red Sox this season. I always just thought there's no way that they're going to fall off this cliff. And when we were talking about Xander Bogart's mock trades, I even said, I just still don't think he's going to get traded because I think the Red Sox are still going to be good. But... Now the Red Sox, I think, are the third best team. They have the third best run differential yeah. in the American League. And from top to bottom, with Alex Cora at the helm, the Red Sox are going to be right there at the end. But with that said, and I want to throw this one to you, when we're looking at the end of the season, because right now it's the Red Sox, and that's the question at hand. But at the end of the season, I still think it's going to be the Rays. Yeah. You know, I had a feeling you were going to go there. I, I still do. They just got Wander back, and this team needed offense more than I, I think almost any competitive team in baseball right now. And I, I look at what they're able to do, what they have farm system wise. You know, so many of their pieces that they can go out and make a trade and go get somebody. We know the pitching is good. I, I would still think that the Rays will be in that conversation for sure. And I am interested to see how the Red Sox pitching holds up. Getting Chris Sale is great, uh, but is Nick Pavetta going to keep doing what he's doing? Maybe. I, he's been phenomenal. They do get Garrett Whitlock back, but I mean, they're also relying on Rich Hill and some other guys who do more things than you'd expect. I think Michael Walker is going to continue to kind of slow down a little bit. What is Tanner Houck? You know, is he a reliever? Is he going to start for them? Is he going to be a closer? I think they have some things to, to sort out, but what, like what you said, Cora seems to just know his team, that team chemistry. I really think is a huge part of it as well. I was talking to Great. Colby Olson about this and you know, Colby's the big Red Sox fan watches them more than any of us do. And he's like, dude, I'm telling you, don't underestimate just the way these guys like to play with each other. I watch them, you know, pull, pull each other in the cart. Like there's just a lot of team chemistry there. They like to play with each other. That group has stayed together for a while now. The Red Sox may end up with the third best record, but, you know, when it comes playoff time, it, it'll be tough to beat the Rays, especially when they have arguably the best pitcher in the AL. I don't even think it's arguable at this point with Shane McClanahan. So it's going to be close. But right now, I would say the answer is Red Sox. I think the answer is the Red Sox. The Twins are definitely up there. You know, there's a lot of teams that are right there. I mean, we talked about the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have their problems, and it's crazy. I was looking at XERA leaders today, and do you know who has the worst expected ERA, which is StatCast's definition of what they think that your ERA should be based on batted ball data and all these different factors that Baseball Savant uses? And I would suggest going on Baseball Savant, and you see that your favorite pitcher, he has a three ERA. But go look at what Baseball Savant expects his ERA to look like. Do you know who has the worst XERA in all of baseball? I might have given it away because I was just talking about this team, but who do you think it is? The worst XERA? The worst in all of baseball for those who qualify. Huh. I, Michael Waka? Like, no, 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 no. Jose Barrios. Oh, oh, we're talking about, okay, I th I'm thinking like differentiator. Oh, no, no, yeah, that's my bad. No, no, the actual worst Oh, like of all ERA. pitchers in baseball, the worst. You no, know, we talk about Patrick Corbin. We talk about how bad Herman Marquez has been. The worst expected ERA in baseball is Jose Barrios. The and man what are you who signed do? a seven-year like, deal. What do you do? Well, you're not you, sending I mean, him we to AAA. It. And we're going to have, we have a lot of great questions about some of these trade pieces. They have, and again, you guys said it on the podcast yesterday. I just totally agreed. You have to get a starter yesterday. Not today, not tomorrow. Yesterday, right now, quick. 
They have to be on the phone. And, you know, Montes with the shoulder discomfort, but there are a bunch of different starters. I mean, just go get Merrill Kelly. Go get Merrill Kelly right now. Something like that. You have to have a stopgap right now, or the Blue Jays are just going to continue to falter because you can only hit so much. Because even in the bullpen, they're blowing games in the bullpen too. I mean, Jordan Romano is a great closer. He's had his blowups this year. And I mean, we'll see if he's just continually going to be great because he's thrown a lot of innings too. You know, they have Adam Simber. They don't have that many great bullpen arms. The pitching is the problem for the Blue Jays. It's almost what I think a lot of us thought that the Red Sox would deal with, but that's not been the case. I I do agree. It is a little bit of a flip-flop. I would say if you gave me like the blind numbers without the team name at this point ahead of the year, I would have guessed that all of the Red Sox numbers were the Blue Jays and, and vice versa. I think that's a good point. And if they go get an arm, though, I think it changes a lot. If they go get, go out and get an impact arm, it changes their outlook quite drastically. And they have the ability to go get somebody a little bit more than I think the Red Sox do trade-wise. And I think I'm a little bit more nervous about Kevin Gosman than you and Jack were. Uh-huh. When I was listening, because you guys talked about the ankle contusion, that he's going to be totally fine. But, you know, Kevin Gosman fell off a cliff in the second half. And I've been saying this kind of all year, not saying that I'm waiting for the exact same thing to happen, because that could have been just a fluke thing. But Kevin Gosman hasn't been elite now for that long. No, so it's an amazing first half, then fell off a cliff in the second half. He's had an amazing first half. We'll see. I'm not saying, again, he's going to fall off a cliff, but it is something to watch. Aram. What if he has a similar type second half to last year? Jose Brios doesn't bounce back. And Alec Manoa is still really young. I mean, he's phenomenal. And we're going to talk about our best starting rotations of under 27 years old, which is going to be a great time. Great conversation. But besides Manoa, I mean, you say Kikuchi is one of the most inconsistent pitchers in baseball. Ryu's on the shelf. They, They could be in for a really bad second half. I agree. And, and I think they know that that writing might be on the wall. And I'm very interested to see, you know, what moves they make. They have some trade pieces. They could make a move. The Red Sox were able to go internally and get Brian Bayo. And as people are listening to this, uh, he's making that debut today. So uh, that'll be exciting to see how he performs uh, in that first start. Easier, shorter, pretty direct question here from Dom Foley, who seems to be one of our most frequent uh, question askers here and always has good ones. Who has the worst contract in Major League Baseball? I think that's a good one because there's a lot of bad contracts. Baseball loves to hand out the 10-plus year deals, mm-hmm. uh, and, and there's been several that are bad in the more five- to seven-year range. Uh, there's one that hurts me. I think I have my answer that kind of hurts me. It's sad to say, uh, but I'm curious what yours is first. The worst contract in baseball right now has to be Steven Strasburg. Yeah. Has to be Steven Strasburg. Seven years. $245 million. And, you know, you could you could use Patrick Corbin, I guess, but at least Patrick Corbin's pitching. And yeah. he's actually looked better in his last yeah, two starts, too. Okay the last I mean, I'd rather my starts. pitcher pitch. And when we saw Strasburg, I mean, he's barely touching 90 miles an hour. It's a far cry away from the 100 miles an hour that we saw in his debut, which seems like a century ago. I mean, he's just straight up not pitching. And when he finally came back and was healthy for all those on youtube in quotes healthy he didn't look healthy at all dude no, he didn't look he healthy down, he got hurt again and he's probably not gonna pitch again this year and he's making so much money but on the other side at the plate it's not the worst yet but at what point do we look at the anthony rendon contract and say to ourselves 
that's a really bad contract. Yeah. You know, honestly, like Rendon is still salvageable yes. because he's like not 29 a pitcher with an arm that's totally done. But I agree like that one, because of how much there is left in that deal could get really bad and really ugly, which is crazy because the angels just got out from their other bad deals. And now they're tied like up the, in that one. Strasburg is the worst because he's under contract until 2026 at 35 million a year. I don't even see how he pitches in 2026. He might retire before that. And like, it's really tough because I was covering that game uh, when he made his return and he was smiles and, you know, he, he was very nice to reporters, even though it was a rough outing. And, you know, I, I want him to do well so badly or even just go out there and compete. But I don't even think he can physically pitch every fifth day right now with the issues he's had with his arm. It's been so many different injuries now, a thoracic outlet. That's got to be the worst contract. I don't know how insurance works in this situation. Uh, I don't know if the Nationals have that contract insured, but that aside, like that is has to be the worst contract. Some other honorable mentions. I, I thought Madison Bumgarner's was bad, but it's just not enough for it to be in that department. He's and also he's been somewhat competitive this year. Yeah. I think Jason Hayward at eight for 184 is, not ideal. is pretty bad. <laughs> Not ideal. Robbie Cano, I mean, the Mets are paying him to play for somebody else right now. That one's pretty bad. Uh, but I would, Eric I would Hosmer. say Eric Hosmer's Hosmer. making a lot of money to be mid. I mean, yeah. he's making a lot just of money to hit the ball straight in the ground. Um, still hits it hard, but just I mean, straight in the ground. It's got to be Strasburg, right? And, yeah, and, and it's sad because he got that deal right after the World Series. And uh, I, I think the Nationals, they were drinking the Kool-Aid. They were excited. But you had to know that, that there was a lot of injury risk even going into that year uh, when he was able to pitch through the postseason. So rough deal for them there. But hopefully Strasburg can try to salvage a little bit of his career here and, and finish on his terms. But we'll see if that happens. Uh, a guy that's also out with injury, but not nearly as bad, obviously broken thumb. He said it. he wished it hit him in the face, which is crazy shows you how crazy Bryce Harper is. He said he'd rather have gotten hit in the face. The Phillies lose Harper. That is one of the biggest losses for any team. When we're talking about I mean, the most valuable player last year, looked like the same offensive guy this year. Yes, he was DHing, but it doesn't matter. He was so, so good for them. But the Phillies have stayed afloat, largely in part because of their suspect bullpen, actually being one of the best bullpens over the last couple of weeks. I have no crazy. idea what's going on there, but it's amazing. As we're recording this, Peter, they're one game out of a wild card spot. One game behind the Cardinals could potentially be half a game back uh, if the score holds in the game uh, between the Cardinals and the Braves. The question that we have here from Loops 0917 is, is there any way the Phillies can make the playoffs now that Bryce Harper is out for a decent portion of the season? I think anytime you got a team that's a game out, you got to say they've got a chance. Yes. I think it's more of a question of how good is the chance where do you stand on their situation right now? Here's my thing, Arm. I don't like the Phillies brand of baseball. I'm going to oh, be completely no. honest with you. And, you know, everybody says I'm a Phillies hater. I'm a Phillies hater. And it's not that I hate the Phillies. I just don't like how they constructed this current roster. They doubled down on things that don't work, in my opinion. Yes. Has the Phillies bullpen been great? Of course. It's been really good lately. 
Are we expecting that to continue unless they make some major moves for, you know, a David Bednar who's getting ran into the ground right now by Pittsburgh? I heard you guys talk about that too. I was just watching, I mean, they throw him out there for like two innings. It seems yeah, like four or five times a week. like a half a starter every, yeah, every two days. He's a swingman and a closer at the same time. It's, it's just too much. Um, they doubled down on bad defense and Nick Castellanos, I mean, he looks horrible out there and Schwarber doesn't look good out there either. You know, but at the at the same time, they are a team that will be aggressive at the deadline. We think that they're going to add an outfielder, maybe a Ramon Laureano. To your guys' point earlier in the podcast, you guys talked about Michael A. Taylor. A lot of options like that. Maybe they go big for Cedric Mullins if the Orioles decide to sell, which I don't think they should. But, at you know, it could happen. You know, realistically, he's not completely off the market, even a Brian Reynolds type. The pitching looks much better. Wheeler looks great. Nola looks great. But besides them two, there's not a lot to get excited about. You know, Ranger Suarez has not replicated what he did last year. Kyle Gibson has been very inconsistent here too. I don't think that the Phillies will make the playoffs. I'm saying that right now. I really don't. With Bryce Harper, maybe I'm taking a little bit of a step back. But without him who's hitting 318 with 15 bombs and slugging 600, clearly the best hitter on that team. Now, we just had the Kyle Schwarber June, where he's yeah. always been amazing. Will he continue to do that? We will see. He has to. He has, he has to. to. Exactly. Yeah. All of these guys have to perform when they are a streaky team. And the reason I don't like this brand of baseball arm is I've seen this brand of baseball already not work. Yeah, the Yankees. We know it doesn't work. I watched these shit Yankee teams that made me want to punch a hole in my TV because they're polarizing a lot of swing and miss bad defense. And with the Yankees, at least they always had these good bullpens, but I'm not relying on the Phillies to win close one run games. Why I like the Rays so much is I love that brand of baseball. They're going to win one run games. They're going to win games that make you scratch your head and be like, they didn't even play well, but they won. The Phillies have to play really well to win. Yeah. I am. I don't think that the Phillies will make the playoffs. I really don't. But with the new wild cards, it could be possible that they sneak in. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying if you put a gun to my head and said, Peter, do you think the Phillies will make the playoffs? Just like I took their under on win total this year. Yeah. They're too polarizing. I don't think that they will. Well, you look at the wild card situation right now. Uh, I mean, we know that. The Mets are the Braves, probably the Mets are taking the division, which means a really good team is anchoring that top wildcard spot. We know that it's going to be a, a runaway, at least for the most part with the Dodgers. So a really good San Diego Padres seems probably going to take the second wildcard spot where it's going to be really free is that third spot right now. St. Louis holds it by a half a game, which is nuts over Philadelphia with San Francisco, a game and a half behind and the Marlins three games out. That's the only thing is they really only have to outlast the Giants and catch the Cardinals. The Cardinals have a little bit more going for them. You know, I think that they obviously are the opposite of the Phillies in regards to defense, but their pitching is suspect uh, and, and their bullpen is in part suspect. They have one of the best relievers in the game in Helsley, but outside of that, there's, there's a little bit to be figured out there. This is going to be interesting because it, to me, it's more of, who makes the right moves at the deadline? Because right now we see two teams that need to make moves and the Cardinals have a wealth of prospects and a wealth of upper minor level, pro- minor league level prospects, meaning guys that are close to big league ready, which is what a lot of teams are coveting. 
Cardinals could almost go get anybody they want. Even without trading one of their main prospects, they could get almost anybody they want if they put the right package together. The Phillies, they'd have to deplete the system. It would be tough. I think for that reason, the Cardinals are going to be aggressive. Pujols is last year. Yachty's last year. Wayno's last year. I think they go out and they make a splash. They've really been kind of waiting and been quiet. If they make that splash, I don't see how the Phillies keep up, especially because I think Harper's injury is going to keep him out a little bit longer. All of the stuff you said, I agree. Wheeler and Noah have been phenomenal, especially Noah taking it to the next level. That's going to help keep them afloat. Hoskins and Schwarber have to rake, but they've got to go make a move, and it's going to be hard for the Phillies to make a move. And for that reason, I just don't know if they can do it. Uh, But I think they're going to float around, and they're going to be playing competitive games the whole year. I think they'll be, you know, in the hunt until the bitter end. Uh, But I just don't think they have what it takes to outlast. And you're relying, like you said, on a lot of relievers who are pitching well right now. But mm, do you trust Connor Brogdon? Do you trust some of these dudes? I I don't know if I do. Uh, And and that's where they're at now. Maybe Mark Appel uh, (laughs) can step up and kind of fill in there. It's been nice to see him pitch two good outings so far. Two points on the Cardinals. First, there's no way it's Albert Pujols' last year. I think he's going to sign another five-year deal. Another five-year deal? (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's just a joke. About the bullpen, I think you're undervaluing the Cardinals' bullpen a little bit because Giovanni Gallegos is real. Yeah, he's been really They, You know, Hennessy Cabrera, they have a lot of really good guys when they get Alex Reyes back. You know, they have a lot of really good arms. I trust that bullpen way more. Yeah. Then I trust the Phillies bullpen. And on the other side of it, too, when we're talking defense, it's literally not even close. No, it's the it's, Cardinals it's, are going to win the most opposite it could ever be. And then to end that point, we're seeing the impact that Yadier Molina has had on this team. You know, with Ivan Herrera, with Kneiser, with a lot of these catchers that they've been using, Romine, Yadier Molina commands the staff. We've seen differences in Adam Wainwright, we've seen differences in Dakota Hudson. A lot of their arms where Yadi has been that. You know, ultimate confidence guy. Like I have Yadier Molina. I'm gonna have confidence whenever I throw. That's what Yadier Molina gives you, and he's still a good defender back there. Yes, he's not gonna hit, but they don't need him to hit because they have so many other guys. Yeah, I think this Cardinals team. You add one more starter, and they just are better than the Phillies in my mind. And you know, I'm not counting out the Giants yet. And I know you. You also took your you you took your victory lap on the Giants. I'm not counting out yet. I understand why you why you did that because they've been playing like garbage and they look old. They look decrepit. They don't look like they have nearly the same magic as last year. But again, this is a team that went and got Chris Bryant at the deadline. I just don't think that we should totally count them out of it. No, I think, I think just stepping back and saying they're not the 107 win team. Clearly they were due to regress. I didn't think they regressed this much. That's also again on me, but I don't think that it's over. Right now, I still think that the Giants are better than the Phillies. I really do. I'm sorry. I do. I Look, that's fair. And, and Logan Webb, you know, kind of back looking like Logan Webb in some ways again. And I, I like some of the guys that they have in the system. They just called up David Villar, who's one of the best hitters in the minor leagues this year. Maybe he can contribute. They find ways to kind of pull rabbits out of hats. And I'm, ex- I'm interested to see what they do. They just got to stay in striking range with the expanded playoffs as well. And they could sneak their way in. So I'm not swearing them off, but they're definitely, as you said, a diminished team from last yes. year with, without a doubt. The next question is a really fun one. If you guys are able to make a rotation of five pitchers under 27 years old, three righties, two lefties for the next five to seven years, who are your top five? This is a great question. Wonderful. And we know we talked about two of the guys already. I mean, like I, I know that Sandy 
and and Shane McClanahan are are yep. shoe-ins, one righty, one lefty right off the bat. I mean, these guys are young but already proven in a lot of different ways and get better every time we see him. No brainer there. No brainer there. The other lefty that I want to put in is Julio Arias. Yep, that's my Julio Arias. Before you go, I bet you we have the same. The same. I, list, I bet you anyway, we have one ahead. too. And then the <laughs> next now, so we have two lefties, which is Shane McClanahan, Julio Arias, and then one of the righties is clearly Sandy. But the other clear choice is Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns, which clearly forget how young he is. I like he, I feel like he's 28, 29, late bloomer kind of guy. He's young. He's young. Corbin Burns is a no-brainer. No and brainer. this is where we talked about this actually before we recorded. There's probably two guys you can go with here for the final righty, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking up because I think Corbin Burns, I might have just messed it up. I think he's yeah, he's 27, not 26, but he still qualifies for this, um, for this list. So I think the distinction right now, if we're looking at you know who's the best under 27. For me, I'm flip-flopping between Dylan Cease and Alec Manoa. And I think both are correct in a weird way. Yes. Because I think both have their strong suits, and I think both have weaknesses. And I think Dylan Cease has proved it a little bit longer, but that's just because he's a little bit older. So I feel like at this point now we know about Dylan Cease, and Colby made a really good point in the group chat. If he can just cut the walks, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. And it's like yep. not even that close. If we're talking about stuff, he strikes out over 13 guys per nine inning. Nobody does that. I mean, no. Shane McClanahan does that, but barely. I mean, that's the type of pitcher that Dylan Cease can be. But the problem with Dylan Cease is you look up in the sixth inning. Yeah, he hasn't allowed a run, but he's at 105 pitches. You look yep. up in the fifth inning, hasn't allowed a run, but he's at 98 pitches. That's what we have to deal with all the time with Dylan Cease. Incredible stuff. High spin fastball elite curveball, phenomenal slider, but man, dude. And he gets so many swings and misses Oh, it's that insane. the pitches just rack up too. That's another thing. And with Alec Manoa on the other side, 14 more innings than Dylan sees so far this year, Alec Manoa doesn't strike out the amount of hitters that Dylan sees does actually far less but as much better command. Oh, he's We're looking at just peripherals this season. Dylan Cease, his peripherals have performed better than Manoa, but Alec Manoa's overall ERA, so just what he has produced, has been better than Dylan Cease too. So I, it's so tough. The, I, it's so tough. What would you go with? So I... I would lean Manoa for a couple reasons because I think you set the stage perfectly. And honestly, I, I would expect that the audience right now listening, half of them are leaning one way, the other half is leaning the other way. And they're both right. And, and they're both right. I have zero issue with either. I would just play it safe because it's so hard to find a young controllable starter that yeah. is is so talented. And like, just give me the guy that's 24, six yeah. foot six, 250 pounds. And goes deep into games. You laid it out, right? They both have 16 starts. One of them has 86 innings pitched. The other one has a hundred and a thirds innings pitched. And I think Manoa could even be stretched out more and more. Great. Gets weak contact and also gets the swings and misses when you need it. I love that because that that's something that to me, like it's it's hard to teach that. That's almost like a nuanced pitchability type of thing. And finding that balance, like Sandy Alcantara, that's the one thing I've really marveled at is. He was never a high swing and miss guy. He doesn't even call himself a strikeout pitcher. When he needs the strikeouts, he'll get him. But he Funny. wants to go deep into games. Yeah. He wants to get weak contact. He pitches the bottom of the zone, and he can balance the two. Dylan Cease, 
he's got to strike you out. And, and the biggest thing is Dylan Cease's biggest competition in a start is himself. Yep. It's, it's not, it doesn't matter who's standing in the play at the plate. They're, they're more, more than likely going to swing and miss. <laughs> it's really just his biggest competition is himself. And uh, it is interesting because he is definitely winning that competition overall. But give me the safe guy with Manoa who throws strikes. And, and really, the ERA numbers, like you said, surface level are pretty similar. Listen to this point. I think it's harder to hit Dylan Cease, but Alec Manoa might be a better pitcher. If that makes sense. No, it uh, totally makes right? sense. Yeah, like totally makes if sense. One because... at bat, Dylan Cease is probably with stuff can get that hitter out m- more often. But if I need a long start, let's say the bullpen has been taxed, I need Alec Manoa to give me seven or eight, and I'm much more confident in that. Dylan Cease can give you kind of similar to the Shane McClanahan versus the Sandy conversation. But with Sandy, it's a little bit different because he legit goes nine. And it was funny when you said he's not a strikeout pitcher. Yeah, but he's still striking out like nine per nine. per I know. He's so good. I mean, he's amazing. But that's almost how I'm thinking about it is that Shane McClanahan, well, Shane McClanahan doesn't walk anybody, which is also incredible. But these guys are relievers as starters. That's the type of stuff that they have. But at the end of the day, if I had to make a decision, I'll take Alec Manoa. Yeah. I'll take Alec Manoa. You sound disappointed. I am because if Cease can limit the walks, he's he's better. That's in my opinion. If Cease can limit the walks... He's better. That's it. But here's the thing. But that's is, is, a big if. That's a and big last if. year, he looked like he made that step in that direction, walked 3.69 per nine, and then four. he's back up to 4.19 per nine. I know. So, so it's like, which keep... isn't going to do him in, but it's like, okay, maybe this is who he is, which is great. A really damn good pitcher. But Alec Benoa might keep getting better, man. This dude's 24. Exactly. And, you know, he might develop his other stuff a little bit more too. And I mean, we know the slider is one of the best in baseball. The changeup keeps getting better. Yeah. Give me the 24 year old who, who's, you know, can kind of stay on this trajectory. But, and and to that point, and to that point too, I think we've talked about at the beginning of the season. Remember I said Alec Manoa is a Yankee killer. Yeah. Alec Manoa pitches in a much harder division. Yeah. Talking about the Red Sox. By a lot. Talking about the Yankees. By a Even lot. the Orioles, great offense too. And then the Rays, you know, we make fun of them too, but Isak Paredes is Jesus Christ reincarnated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right Which is insane. Tearing the cover off the ball, of course. He came over from the Tigers. He was like an extra throw in or basically kind of, you know, below I average. I looked at that deal. I was like, bench why? Yeah. And yet now he hits third or fourth or yeah. he could hit wherever he wants to the lineup. And he's been amazing. But that's also another pro for Alec Manoa. He's facing tougher competition. When we look at the White Sox, you know, he has to face the Twins, but the Guardians have their struggles offensively. And if we're looking at the Royals and the Tigers, you could make the argument those are two of the worst offensive teams. Tigers have been performing much better lately, but the Royals, I mean, he doesn't have to face the same level of competition that Alec Manoa has day in no. and day out. But then again, to that point, when the schedule changes next year, when you don't face your division as much, maybe then that point becomes kind of null and void. Yeah. So it's just such an interesting. But it'll be interesting to see how the numbers exercise. go. It'll be yeah. interesting to see how the numbers go when he doesn't have to face some of the best lineups in baseball so much more frequently. And I mean, it feels like Manoa's pitches against the Yankees every two weeks. So <laughs> it is, it is interesting <laughs> to see how that'll shake out in the future. Uh, speaking of the future, we got a similar type of question of who you would rather have with, two of the best young players in the game. It's 
The question is from Braden Odom on Instagram. It's Braden.Odom. For the next seven years, would you rather have Bobby Witt Jr. or O'Neill Cruz? And, and I mean, man, again, it's like you can't go wrong. A pair of just insane shortstops. What is your answer on this one, Peter? I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I think you can go wrong here. It has to be Bobby Witt. Oh, wow. Bobby Good. Witt's floor is an all-star. Dude, I'm watching this guy play defense. Remember how he played third for a little bit and was pretty good, and then he slides over to yeah, shortstop? Yeah, I was so I was so pissed. Phenomenal. At him all the time. We're talking about speed, like all of these crazy tools. O'Neill Cruz has right. He's six seven. He throws a hundred across the diamond. He hits crazy power. Is Bobby Witt not a tad below that? And yeah. he's probably a better overall baseball player at his core. He's got a better bat to ball. Bobby Witt can, you know, a home run is great when he hits it when O'Neill Cruz hits one 460, but a 420 foot home run still goes out of the ballpark too. And if we're talking about speed, wits faster, it's wits a better defender at shortstop than O'Neill Cruz is. And if we're just looking at the history of baseball, we've never seen a six foot seven shortstop. We've seen six foot seven outfielders in Aaron judge. And what has always been Aaron judge's kryptonite is staying healthy. He's been healthy all year. And that's kind of an overblown narrative at this point because he's really been healthy now for the past couple of years. But there's always that, you know, there's always that worry because O'Neill Cruz also plays with aggressively. You know, he's stealing bags. Like there's there's always opportunities playing shortstop, which is a much more demanding position than a corner outfield is, especially in right field at Yankee Stadium where Aaron Judge is dealing with a short porch anyway. So I think it has to be Bobby Witt. O'Neill Cruz is very, very exciting. But it has to be Bobby Witt. But I want to ask you again. Julio Rodriguez looks like the best player in baseball. I mean, oh my I know, right God, now, this he, man is amazing. He legit does right now. And it, it, it I'll, I'll get to that in a second. To answer this question, though, for me, I, I would have, I wasn't even going to blank and say Bobby Witt, but I was kind of curious to see what you, what you would say or maybe what some other people would say. I can't say anybody else because I ranked Bobby Witt Jr. ahead of O'Neill Cruz. So I would just be a hypocrite to like change my mind after two weeks of baseball at the major league level. The reason why is all of the things that you said, right? Like he, he does everything across the board. And I mean, we've seen already insane production, but the craziest part about all of this is O'Neill Cruz has been playing professional baseball since Bobby Witt jr. Was you know, like a sophomore in high school, or like Seriously. a junior, like he, he has so many more games under his belt. Bobby Witt has hardly played in the minor leagues. You know, really only played, he had 37 games in rookie ball in 2019, no season in 2020, then played the 120 game season last year between double and triple A. And we and know what he did last destroyed year. Destroyed baseballs. Just <laughs> destroyed baseballs in his first professional season. Now goes straight to the big leagues. I mean, this is one of the faster tracks we've seen to the big leagues. And slow start, like we said, I warned everybody about the slow start happening. He has been phenomenal since then. He's going he's gonna to probably finish 2020 this year with elite defense, as you mentioned. And just all around good baseball player. Bobby Witt is safer. And I don't think you're giving up that much upside here. This guy could still be a legit superstar. Speaking of legit superstars, though, Julio Rodriguez and his athleticism has really just kind of broken through and, and shown a new dynamic to his game. This guy is the runaway rookie of the year. And it's pretty freaking awesome to see what he's doing. And that's going to lead us into actually our next question, Peter, because the next question is on the Mariners. And, you know, we were asking where the Mariners have gone, but you have one more thing to say. Just one more thing to say. I'm just thinking in my head, what is O'Neill Cruz better than Bobby Wood at? 
just just like hitting the ball harder. I mean, come on. That's, I mean, the exit velocities are awesome. It, yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It only like, matters to a certain threshold. Like, like Wit, Wit has been going through his struggles. He has 11 home runs and 12 stolen bases. This is a 30-30 guy. And you know the bat to ball is going to improve because Bobby Witt's basically at 14 years old. He's still super young. He, he legitimately turned 20 or 22 years old like two weeks ago. I, like, and again, I think, it's, it's, I think it's a professional be- baseball baby as well in terms of, you know, just games under his belt. Do you think... For example, when we're looking back at their career, do you think O'Neill Cruz is going to have more career home runs than Bobby Whitwell? I don't no. know that for a fact. No, I don't think so. So if we're talking about power, the exit velos, yes. I mean, he, O'Neill Cruz hits some of the hardest baseballs I've ever seen. But the, at the end to of the day- answer your question, it's, it's highlight reel. Like, yes, he will make better highlights, I guess. Which but is like, cool. Again, <laughs> every single plus tool that, that O'Neill has that we marvel about- Whit has it. He's just Whit not successful. So it's just, it's just not- alien-esque but at a certain level it all kind of counts the same um and like you know like i said like you said 460 feet okay bobby witz can hit it 450 (laughs) we've seen him do it um and in terms of max exit velo bobby witz at 93rd percentile in all baseball at the big league level right now so and sprint speed he's one of the fastest guys in the game so it's really under yeah he's way i mean he's a gold glove caliber defender and he's only going to get better and better and he's an infant when it comes to professional games under his belt, uh, go into the Mariners because while Bobby Witt would probably win rookie of the year, almost any other year with the way he started tr- starting to trend now. And same with probably Jeremy Pena. It's one of the most loaded rookie classes we've no seen good. in a while. Julio Rodriguez is going to run away with it because he's stealing bags like nobody's business. Now he's hitting like nobody's business. And the craziest part is you will get scouting reports. You look at what every evaluator was writing was, eh, I don't know if he's going to stick in center. He's going to slow down as he, as he gets more thick, probably a corner outfielder. He's playing plus defensive center field right now. Mariners all of a sudden are, are looking a lot better, and he's playing a huge part of that. The question comes from Austin Fothergill on IG, who says, are the Mariners now buyers with their recent run? They've been on a nice stretch. And who do they go for? Also, I'm a tunnel-visioned Mariners fan, so what are some realistic expectations for the rest of the season? We thought the Mariners were going to be good this year. Everyone thought the Mariners were going to be good this year. They started horribly. They mm-hmm. are now playing better. Mm-hmm. They are creeping into an expanded wild card situation here, and they are getting healthy. Ty France will be back soon enough. Mitch Haniger will hopefully be back before you know too much time is gone. I still think this team can, can sneak in, man. I still think they can. I don't, if I can be completely honest with you. You're I think be because... I'm being just completely honest with you. I know you're a Tunnel Vision Mariners fan. I hope you're listening because, you know, we were so pro Mariners. And I still, they're not a bad team. Not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. But if I'm trying to go into Jerry DePoto's mind, do you think that Jerry DePoto sees this team and says, all right, we have to be in win now. This is the window. I don't think that he's doing that. I think they're going to make similar type moves. You know, when they traded away, um, you know, who they trade? Kendall Graveman. They traded away Kendall Graveman and they added... Diego Castillo. I think they might make moves like that. And it's something that you don't want to hear because as a Mariners fan, you deserve better. But Julio Rodriguez is just becoming what I think Ronald Acuna Jr. is. Like if we're talking about who he reminds me of, I posted on Twitter and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this too. Yeah. I think he reminds me of Ronald Acuna Jr. He's power. He's got the speed. He's got great defense. That's who he reminds me of. No, I think there's, I think it's very similar. But with the Mariners, you know, 
they get good outings from guys like Marco Gonzalez and like the, the, some good outings from Chris Flexen, you know, when Logan Gilbert has really taken that next step, but by the numbers, the numbers are expecting Logan Gilbert to regress. When we talk about XERA, when we talk about FIP, when we talk about XFIP, those numbers are pointing to a regression for Logan Gilbert. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. I think he might regress slightly, but I still think he's a really good pitcher too. There's just, you know, when they've been doing this without Ty France, which is also phenomenal too. But at the end of the day, there's we've named a lot of good teams in the American League when we were talking earlier. The Mariners are not as good as any of those teams. I would even venture to say the Mariners are not as good as the White Sox. I would venture to say they're not as good as the Guardians. And, you know, the fucking Angels are so annoying. <laughs> I know. Like when push, comes to sh- when push comes to shove, you might take the Shohei Otani and Mike Trout team. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not – I just – I don't think that the Mariners will sneak in. And it, because I don't know if the window is fully open yet. It, it, that's, that's the only problem is, is I actually think the Mariners are going to play good baseball. And I, I think they finish above 500 and I think they're going to finish strong. The problem is the size of the window, right? Yes. I, 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 that's my concern is I think they're going to play decent ball, but are these ALEs teams going to really relent? I think the only way is, is if that Toronto worst case scenario, which I think is a very possible worst case scenario happens. If Toronto falls out, and I'll give you the wild card kind of picture right now, then a spot opens up because as you and I both said, we we both think Tampa is going to hang in there. As it stands right now in the AL wild card, it's Boston in first in the wild card spot, two games above Toronto, then Toronto a half game up on Tampa Bay for the final spot. Two and a half games out is Cleveland, three and a half games out is Seattle, four games out is the Chicago White Sox. I agree. I think Cleveland is a little bit more of a complete team. If they go get a bat, I, I, I would lean Cleveland over, over Seattle. But if Toronto starts to scuffle a little bit, that's maybe the only way I could see a window really opening up. And that's a big if. I mean, I know we're, we're a little worried. They've lost four straight. That's still a really good team. I don't know if I see them totally falling apart. I like the Mariners just because the fact that they are kind of alive right now, despite all of their adversity, uh, despite all of the things kind of going poorly for them from losing, you know, even guys like Casey Sadler in the bullpen and getting mm-hmm. guys like Penn Murphy stepping up. I think George Kirby is going to bounce back after a rough outing and continue to be a good arm for them. Uh, I, Diego Castillo has been bad for them. Uh, you talk about Gilbert's regression. I, I, I definitely see that. But then I also see Robbie Ray kind of ticking it back up again. Mm-hmm. So it's they're in a really interesting spot. But to your point, I thought I had the same thought process when I w- read these questions before we started recording. Yeah. And it's what is what does Jerry DePoto do? Because you don't want to mortgage the future right now, right? Like you're building something sustainable here. Yes, they want to win now, but nothing that they've done is said like push all the chips forward. Even the the Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker deal. Yes, they gave up two good pitching prospects, but those were guys they would have had to find 40 man roster spots for. Exactly. So like it it was one of the, they had to make a deal at some point because they have so much 40 man talent. I, I, I don't think they're going to be overly aggressive, but I do think they're going to play better ball with the current roster. Like, is Jesse Winker going to be this bad? No. Like, I just, there's no way, right? No. And J-Rod's going to keep doing what he's doing. I think they're going to be better. And similar to the Phillies, I think they're almost the AL version of the Phillies. I don't know if they get in, but they're going to hang around and they're going to play good ball. And I think that's all you can really ask for, given some of the adversity they've faced. I think the Mariners are going to win 83 games. And I don't think that's enough to make the playoffs. So mm-hmm. Above 500, 
still a good team, but just not a playoff team. And I think Jerry knows that. And, you know, you could say whatever you want about Jerry DePoto, the fact that, you know, maybe he hasn't done enough to really make this team legit, but he sees a farm system that's top five and they're not five and they're not four. I mean, that's how good this Mariners farm system is for the next five years the Mariners are going to be one of the better teams in the American League. But right now in Julio's rookie year, George Kirby is brand new. A lot of these guys, I mean, Matt Brash came up and he didn't have a good start, but we still think that he's going to be a good yeah. pitcher. And maybe it's not this year. Maybe next year he comes out and he's great. Kirby takes that next step. And then you still have Gilbert, who's amazing. And then Ray is, you know, it's, it's funny. Oh, Jack was like, damn it, would Ray. I mean, Ray is still like, that's what I always Good. thought with Robbie Ray, that he's not just going to fall off a cliff and be Arizona Robbie Ray again and just suck. No, he's, he's still, still like, pitcher. he learned something. He's still a good pitcher. I agree. Yeah. And, and we've, we've seen it. The Mariners, 104 innings under his belt already this year, too. He's kind of an innings eater. He is an innings eater. And he's <laughs> been pitching, he's been pitching very well, but he's not getting the same amount of case. He's more pitching to contact, which is more interesting, which is good for him. But that's kind of where I stand on the Mariners. Yeah. I think they're a good team. I, I, when we look at the American League, I don't think they're a playoff team. And I think Jerry knows that. They will be soon, though. Uh, yes. I think we all agree on that. You know, Agreed. we are gonna see Julio kind of take that next leap. Uh, what are they gonna do? Lewis? Yes. Dude, guys, he's unbelievable. I think he's been one of the best players in baseball over the last several weeks. 97th percentile in max exit below. So he hits the ball harder than 97%, his max exit below. And if we're talking about average, he's in the 91st percentile too. So he's in the top ninth percentile in all of baseball of how hard he hits the ball. And he's in the 92nd percentile in the hard hit rate. If we're talking about outs above average, he is in the 93rd percentile. So by that stat, he is one of the best defenders in the outfield in the sport. Talking about sprint speed, how fast is he? The 97th percentile in sprint speed. He is going to be an MVP in this league. I think he's going to be a multiple-time MVP in this league. I think we're going to look at our top 10 overall players when we rank maybe at the end of the season and think to ourselves, there's not that many players more talented than Julio Rodriguez. And that was always why he was my number one prospect. Just like in my, cause it was wit. I mean, wit Adley, they're all, all right there, but I was like, you put a gun to my head. Like I keep saying, who would I choose? He is just such a freak of nature. It's incredible. He is, yeah. so, but that again, so is Bobby Wood. I mean, these guys are so good. They're, they're so freaks. Good. And even they're Adley's hitting much better now too. They're Adley's raking now as raking. of late. They're freaks. It, it, they're all going to be on. And that is why baseball is in such a good spot. I was talking about this with a couple of guys in pro ball. And like, they were like baseball at the major league level is, is, is never really seen this kind of influx of talent guys in the minors are even talking about it. Like there is a really good spot for major league baseball to be in right now. And I, and these stars are marketable too. I mean, Julio's got, you know, that, that kind of marketability to him. I think Bobby Witt's fun. I think Adley's fun. I mean, there's a lot of really good fun and entertaining players. And, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how each of them develop because Julio Rodriguez is a guy that has hit at every freaking stop as well, all the way back since 2018 in rookie ball and gotten better and better and better and better at each level. And also has taken his physicality to the next level. As we mentioned, are other guys going to kind of draw some inspiration from that? Or is Julio just, just a freak of all freaks. It's really interesting to see, you know, what kind of tone setter he can be uh, for some of these other prospects that are at the top now. Uh, and speaking of prospects, this is probably one of my favorite questions we got. 
And this comes from D Hills on Twitter. It's D H I L S. Shout out D Hills. He asks a lot of really good questions. He's always in this mailbag because he asks some of the best questions that we ever get. So I appreciate you, D Hills. If Peter, Jack, and RM were prospects, who would have the best hit, field, power, arm, and speed tool? Um, great question. <laughs> I want to hear. I, I want to hear you say, then I'll give mine. Yeah. Okay. So, is this pre, like, is this pre-injury or or post? Don't think it makes a difference for me, honestly, because I'll give Jack the nod on arm, given that he's the pitcher, uh, and also my elbow. Blew up. Your elbow literally exploded. Like, so you're out on that. And just one. and just a little bit about me. Um, for anybody listening, I was um, you know, I played high school baseball, and we were all like good baseball players. But I was, you know, I had a preferred walk on spot to the University of Nevada because I had a great senior season. But the reason I didn't take it, well, first, have you ever been to Reno, Nevada? It sucks. I mean, you know, shout out University of Nevada, good school, but. I wasn't going to Reno Nevada because my arm was going to explode. I mean, I broke my medial epicondyle first year, freshman year of, of high school, throwing a pitch, fell to the ground, rushed into surgery. They said I wasn't going to throw again. I was like, screw that. Yeah, I am. So I came back and I was able to play and had that great senior season. But at the end of the day, like my arm was going to explode. Like it was, you know, I could go play college baseball, but I knew I wasn't going to make it. I knew like, I wasn't going to make it. It's just like yeah. my arm was falling apart. Um, so I'm giving the arm to Jack. Yeah, arm to Jack. I had labrum surgery. I had a similar situation where it was torn. This is why labrum. we didn't make the major leagues arm. Oh yeah, that's the only reason. <laughs> the, uh, it's the only reason why I didn't play the liberal. Like, only reason why I didn't play the liberal arts school in the Northeast was yeah. uh, was my labrum situation. Um, no, like it's 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 a classic like Uncle Rico type of thing, but it, it's <laughs> it's true. And I would say field. I'm going to give myself field. Okay. I I I pride myself on my defense. My like dad that. raised me. You're going to play every position because that's how you stay in the lineup. And I did that. I'm going to give okay. myself field. You got to You got to get power. I mean, you're, you're stronger than Jack and I for sure. I'm give you power speed. You've, you've admitted that you're slow as shit. Um, I'm a, I'm a 15 grade runner. Like okay. I broke the scale of being shitty. And I'm burning, I'm burning four eyes. So <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm taking four. speed. So Hit tool, you hit 370 your senior year. So I'm going to give you a hit tool. Uh, I was too mental. So <laughs> I, I think you got hit tool. I got field. You got power. Jack gets arm. And then speed, Jack and I race to determine. I, I, I bet you're faster than Jack. Jack, if you're listening, I bet arm would beat you in a race. Sharps, if, if there was a sharp betting, sharps are on arm. I want to see what the line is at on that one. What, what's the line on me versus Jack speed wise? I would say you're minus 155. You got a lot of juice, but I'm willing to lay 1.55 units on you. I think it's, oh, yeah. I, I would, I think, I think you'd win. Sorry, Jack. Get faster, Sorry. kid. Yeah. Start running a little bit, buddy. Uh, last question. Which team needs Luis Castillo or Ta- Tyler Molly the most? Mm. Also, I hope they don't attach Mike Moustakis to one of those deals. That comes from Team Captain with a K08 on Twitter. First, you got, I mean, why wouldn't you want to attach Mike Moustakis? They're assuming that attaching Moustakis in his shitty contract will <laughs> lessen the prospect return. That makes they sense. want to maximize prospect return, which I get because they already did the the attached thing, right? They dumped a Eugenio Suarez. Hold on to Moose, just deal with it. It's not that much longer. I would say the the Jays need Luis Castillo as bad as anybody in baseball right now. I would have said mm-hmm. the Twins maybe two weeks ago. 
you talk about Barrios' situation. Now we talk about Gosman. I think the Blue Jays need need Luis Castillo or Tyler Malley more than anybody. It's the Blue Jays. It's the Twins. You know, if the Phillies really want to go for it, the Phillies need another guy like him. You know, and it's and I don't funny. think they can do it. That's the you know thing. you know who needs them, and I wouldn't be shocked. None of us would be shocked. The Los Angeles Dodgers need him. Walker God Bueller went down. I know it's like, God damn it. Right. I mean, just, you know, got to shoulder a little praise on the Dodgers. You know, they went down with Walker Bueller and Julio Arias has been great. And Clayton Kershaw has been great. And Tony Gonsolin has been great, but Dustin May is going to come back, which is, you know, phenomenal for them. But I, you know, I was talking with our guy, Dustin, and I, I just think Dustin May should be a reliever. I don't know if I, with that arm action, I mean, he just throws, crazy i just don't know if that's gonna last in a rotation for a long time and i think he could be one of the best closers in baseball i really do if they put him back there they use him as a swing man maybe coming in the fifth cover the seventh use him as a weapon because that's where i think he'd be the most effective he can still be a great starter clearly because his stuff is insane he's throwing 99 mile hour turbo sinkers he looks like blake trinan if you put him as a starter in six innings that's the kind of arm that he has but the Dodgers need him. And when it's the Dodgers also to need- assume that you're going to get like just just instantly get Dustin May ready to to pitch every fifth day and contribute. I think it's crazy. It's and you don't lot. even know if Kershaw is going to stay healthy. Like he keeps kind of being in and out, in and out, in and out. I, yeah, and they they can make a trade for anybody. Yeah. So and I mean, dude, they got Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. I'd argue they needed them less last year, seriously, than they do now. Uh, I think the Dodgers so- are going to go crazy at the deadline because just. Systems. This is going to suck to hear. Yeah, tell them about the system. Tell oh, the people yeah, yeah. about I'll the system. Uh, yeah, I can tell you. Oh, my they they could trade for anybody they want without touching one of their top three or four prospects, basically. Um, that's what the Dodgers can do. And but and it's funny because the Yankees, the Yankees are like in a really good spot, and the Dodgers are still just kind of like, you know, we've got even more. Yankees and are another the team. Yankees, Yankees are, are another, another one where I, they're already rumored to be, you know, looking at those guys and and – the problem is those two teams, the Yankees and the Dodgers, I think can kind of outbid anybody. Yep. And the Jays would have to be willing to part with one of their top, top, top prospects to do so. And not only will they probably have to do that just to keep them away from the Yankees, they might just have to do a period. So that might be what happens. I think the Jays almost doubly need to do it because if they don't, the freaking Yankees might do it. And, and that's like, it's similar to the Padre situation last year where not only did the Padres not get Scherzer after the report tour that they were going to get Scherzer, the Dodgers got them. So it was like the worst case scenario. Uh, that, that is what I could see here too. So my short answer is I think the Blue Jays need them worse than anybody, but I, I agree all those other teams are don't need them as bad, but they're definitely going to be calling. Blue Jays would, are my number one. I would also agree. The Blue Jays are my number one team too. I have a mailbag question for you. <laughs> okay. If you are the Blue Jays and you're in this situation right now with how good Alejandro Kirk is, would you trade Gabriel Moreno for Luis Castillo? It's so tough. I lean no still. No. I lean no still. But do you, th- I, I guess an- the main part of the question is do you think the Blue Jays would be desperate enough to do it? Such a tough question. I don't think so. Just because I would rather just go get Tyler Molly then. Yeah. Or, I mean, you know, 
For example, like or would Zach Gallen require yeah, yeah. Gabriel Moreno? I don't think so, right? No, hell no, hell no. Okay, I don't think so. So I, I would, yeah, I, is is like you'd have to give it pause just because you know Luis Castillo can really help you. But at the end of the day, Luis Castillo is not Max Scherzer. You know, Luis Castillo is not but he's a, a really top fifteen pitcher though. in the game. He's, he's really, really good. He's really good. He's probably top 20, 25 ish. When, when he's healthy, when he's yeah. right, absolutely. He's disgusting. I, Moreno, I think, can be so special. Agree. Um, and yeah, it's I, just I, because they have Alejandro Kirk. I know. If they would just bring up Gabriel Moreno and he was the catcher of the future, it'd be like, of course, you would never do it. It's just because they have like the best catcher in the American League right now. Yeah, I know. so it's like they yeah, just crazy. they have this influx, and they also have Danny Jansen, who's who's proven that he could be a really reliable backup. I think Danny Jansen is one of the best backup catchers in baseball. So they just have all these guys. Do you think they can win the World Series with Luis Castillo? I, I mean, they'd be right there. I mean, anything can happen. You, you make the playoffs it. and anything can happen. And if Gosman doesn't fall off this cliff, and now you have Manoa, Gosman, Castillo, I mean, that's a trio that you do not want to face. Yeah. Not want to face. I'm, I'm, you know how I am with Moreno. Um, it would be tough, but I think it's a great question. And uh, I wonder what Jays fans think if Jays fans would part with him. So let us know, tweet at us uh, on just BB media. If you would part with Gabriel Moreno to go get Luis Castillo could almost be straight up at that point. I mean, I don't even think you have to give up much else at that point. So uh, that was our last question, Peter, any other final thoughts you have uh, as we wind down the episode? Yeah, I'm I'm trying to make up a mock trade right now that could include Gabriel Moreno in a deal for Luis Castillo because what they would need, I'm just looking at this Reds bullpen. It's just not that good. But it's not good. <laughs> like who? Jeff Hoffman. Like what, yeah, what, like what, who? What? I mean Ross Detweiler. I mean who from this Reds bullpen? Yeah, there's. I mean no one that's going to move say, the needle for you. No, no one's no one's moving this needle. God, this Reds bullpen sucks. I've mean, seen them, but. I mean, yeah, there's nobody. I mean, there's no way. Sessa, so, but like Sessa hasn't performed that well this year. It, it, Hoffman, it really no, he's like more of a starter. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine the Jays doing it. And I think if they would, yeah. they would have done it by now. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. They are going to make a move though. And, and I wonder what that move is going to be because they do have a ton of infield prospects. Jordan Groshans, I don't really see where he fits in long-term. So Maybe that's a move that they make for Tyler Molly or something like that. And a little bit less dramatic and Molly might pitch really well in a different environment. We know his home road splits. So yeah. uh, it could be very interesting. Any final thoughts as we plug the socials? I think the Yankees are um, scaring me a little bit. Cause I know, you know, we talked about the Astros and how good they are. That's the only thing I'm just, Watch the Yankees for these next couple of weeks. Okay. I'm even like talking to you too. Like they're not, I mean, they just lost to Pittsburgh today and Jose Quintana, which, you know, I bet on the Yankees and I never bet on the Yankees. And the reason why I was like, I mean, this is bread and butter Yankees. Quintana's been going nice. to return back to Pittsburgh. Thought he put together a good outing. The legit opposite happened. You know, as much as we love Nestor is Nestor going 180 innings this year. Severino is a guy who, has had injury concerns throughout his career. Jaymont is solid, Jordan Montgomery, and then we have Garrett Cole. Just watch this starting rotation too. The Yankees are not as impenetrable as I feel like the allure still is out there. And that's coming from a Yankee fan who watches. What changed? All- we were like, they're the best team ever three weeks, two weeks ago. Well, they were. They legit look like the best team ever 
two weeks. They, they just don't lose, but that's the Yankees, right? They go through the ups and downs. And maybe again, maybe I'm overthinking this because I have always expected the Yankees to kind of go through some lulls and maybe this is when it's starting to come. So all I'm saying is watch the Yankees for the next couple of weeks and, and tell me they're the best team of all time, because I, it's, it's hard to look at them right now and say they're even the best team in the American league. I have to be honest. I, the Astros, it is amazing how good the Astros look right now. Kyle, Tucker hits, sixth. At, yeah. Kyle Tucker hits sixth. He's like and, a top dead player. And Jordan's starting to look like one of the best hitters in baseball, period. And period. Uh, of course, the Yankees have the best hitter in baseball right now in Aaron Judge. But I don't know if he is. 23 right now. I don't know if he is. That's what I'm saying. Is Aaron Judge the best hitter in the American League? Right now. Better than Jordan. Better than Jordan? I don't know. We'll see. It, it'll be interesting because he's playing like a, on a different level. Can he sustain it the player. whole year? He's a better player. If we're talking about just pure hitter, because I mean, Jordan, the WRC plus, I mean, Aaron judge has more home runs, but basically Jordan has you know Aaron judge DH though. I think he would, I think he would do. Agreed. Some You're probably right. You're probably right. But, oh, but maybe fielding helps him. Like even Stanton, when he plays in the field, he hits better. It's weird. But then even like weird. a guy like Wilson Contreras, when he DHs, hits way better than when he catches. Yeah. It's weird. Baseball's weird. That's usually most guys. They love it. Baseball's most guys weird. love it. But if you're hitting bad, DHing kind of sucks. Cause yeah. you gotta think about it a little bit more. Uh, anything, anything we have coming up? I, I, I just dropped. Oh, I guess people can check out now. I just dropped. If you're listening, by the time you're listening to this, Rockies top 10 prospects, actually a much improved system. I know your initial thought would be like, oh shit at Rockies. Why do I care? Really sick middle infielders in there. Actually that I had a blast writing up, including Adel Amador, Ezekiel Tovar, some other interesting names. Zach Veen is a freak, uh, wrote up that system. I'll be answering questions in our chalkboard group all day, uh, in the prospect channel. Uh, just kind of answering any questions you have on the Rocky system and any of my write-ups and thoughts on that top 10. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, I know you usually plug the chalkboard. So I, I built that one in for you. Any hey, other baby. things you got? Um, so unfortunately, so I've been traveling a bunch, so I haven't been able to do some prize picks, Twitter spaces in the past couple of days, but we've been very, very good this entire season on prize picks. And if you use code, just baseball, they will fully match your deposit on prize picks. And, you know, we love playing daily fantasy. That's what prize picks is. We have this entire prize picks, Twitter space on my Twitter at Peter Apple 23, where the big, the big thing is, it's like, if I give out five picks, it's very unlikely that I'm going to go five for five all the time. So why it's been so great is we get the baseball community together and everybody gives their best, their one best pick. And we've been very good this year. So if you want to join in, it's really fun. You don't even have to play it, but just to hear kind of the analysis, it's really cool hearing from a bunch of different fans across a bunch of different teams talk about the pulse of this player on their team. It's a really fun time. And if you do want to play along with us, might as well use some free money with prize picks, right? If they'll fully match your deposit, use the free money. And if you don't like it, no worries, because I love it. It's very yeah, it's fun. fun. And everybody who's been joining says how much fun it's it is. It's for every you know, sport too. It's fun too. So it's for every sport as well. Exactly. So you Not just baseball. Football, basketball. They had it for the hot dog eating contest even. You can take the yeah. over-unders, player props, all that stuff. And uh, it's probably one of the, the easier parlay type things you can do because you can pick any player prop you want. So I'm a big fan of it. Promo code Just Baseball. Go check that out. Links in the description. And with that, Peter. Thank you, everybody. 